Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this episode, we pay tribute to Grant Wall. We share our thoughts about the World Cup thus far as well as discussing news from Major League Soccer about their finally finished television deal and progress uh, in streaming for uh, non-league football fans uh, in the Vanarama. My name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnair. Uh, plus, of course, we also have our letters uh, from you, the listeners, in the listener mailbag segment, so we'll get to those in a little bit. But first of all, Kartik, uh, we are... I mean, we're recording this before the uh, the World Cup final, Argentina against France. Um, what do you think? You think you think those are two two worthy teams to be in the final? Um, I suppose so. I, I I'm pretty awed by the fact that France lost so many key parts and have gotten contributions from players that were cut from the Euro team. Right? We know Deschamps. Uh, very kind of uh, uh, strangely, well, I shouldn't say strangely, there was a justification for it, but uh, cut Theo Hernandez from the Euro squad and took Kurt Zuma because Zuma supposedly got along better with the rest of the dressing room. Uh, Upamakano was cut from the uh, Euro squad, even though he was in the form of his life at the time at Leipzig. He is not in good form, in my opinion, currently at Bayern, but has had a very good World Cup. Rabio is a guy that's been cut from French squads before, uh, controversially in 2018. He was cut, but the feeling was that uh, he's not a great influence in the dressing room. Uh, you can go on and on and on. Marcus Taram, a guy that uh, wasn't even on this squad uh, and, and has now uh, come in uh, replacing Christopher Nkuku, who got injured uh, the day before, I think, the roster deadline. And and he's contributed. So uh, Deshaun has kept a really good happy camp this time and we don't see any of the fissures we saw with the star laid inside in Euro 2020 and even between family members in Euro 2020 so that's uh to his credit as far as Argentina and I mean it's great for Messi uh, I would have preferred to have seen Croatia or the Netherlands or uh, the United States or, 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 or Japan or somebody else on that side of the bracket in the final or Brazil. But um, yeah, credit to Messi, credit to Argentina uh, for, for, for making it this far. 
but I, I think uh, France, to me, are getting these sorts of contributions out of guys that you wouldn't expect or that have not been great contributors for the national team before. So there's something very special in the French camp. And I don't think that's being talked about enough. I mean, this is effectively a lot of guys that Deschamps would have had on his B team uh, even six months ago that are coming in and doing the job. And that that's something to behold. Yeah, that just shows the the, the depth of this uh, French squad. But f- for me personally, I, I'm happy with the final. Argentina, I mean, uh, Julian uh, Alvarez has been spectacular. You I mean, it's just scary how good he is and um, not getting as much playing time I'm, as I'm sure he'd love to at Manchester City. But when you have Haaland and Alvarez as your strikers, uh, that that's pretty amazing. But Argentina against France, I, I think in many ways is, is a dream final. Uh, I'm I'm sure Fox and Telemundo are happy. Uh, yes, Croatia did what really really well as as they've done in the previous World Cup too. And then Morocco to me has been the the story of this World Cup. Just uh, an incredible performance um, from start to finish. And and actually even against France too. You I mean they came close? I mean there was um, Loris had to be on his A game in order to uh, keep Morocco uh, from scoring. So. All in all, I think it's a really, I mean, promises to be a good final. And of course, to the Argentina fans, I think in many ways, I mean, just think, think the incredible passion that they show. Um, you can show how it me- much it means not just to them, but also to the players and to the country. Um, they they seemed, it almost seems to be destiny that, that for them to win this. Um, however, I mean, France, of course, a fantastic uh, team. So England's out, Kartik. Um I thought they played really, really well against France. And I, th- I thought actually over the course of those 90 minutes, they were the better team. Um, but that's, that's, that's football, right? It's sometimes it's not the best team wins. Sometimes it's the team that finishes their chances. Uh, and of course, Harry Kane with that uh, penalty miss really, really, uh, really, really hurt England. Um, although that wasn't, um, this is the deciding factor. It, it could have definitely helped England at least get to uh, extra time. And then from then, probably, who knows, England might have gone through. But uh, overall, I think really, really satisfied with how England did. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, the previous World Cup against Croatia, they scored early in that match and then were dominated. I mean, it was actually pretty embarrassing uh, that in a way that Croatia had to go to extra time to win that match. I guess that speaks for England defending well. But uh, and then Italy, I think same thing, second half of the match in the Euro final uh, and then extra time, Italy were the better squad. So uh, I I think England leaves this tournament eliminated at an earlier stage, but feeling better about themselves than that Croatia. Croatia game where they were absolutely bossed. I mean, that that match was very one-sided. And the Italy game where, on the surface, Italy was probably slightly better. So, um, yeah, I I think they can feel good about themselves. One one quick note on Morocco. I think they've been the best team in this World Cup. The best teams in World Cups don't always win the World Cup. Let's talk about Brazil 1982, right? They were the best team in that World Cup. They didn't win the World Cup. Uh, And and I think we can point to some other examples. Uh, I would say Germany in 2010 was probably the best team in that World Cup. uh, But then they ran up against Spain in the semifinals and lost. Morocco, if you take the body of work, which is a term we use in American sports, right, or in college basketball in America, you take the body of work, group stage, and their two knockout, three knockout stage games, including the loss to France, I think overall they've been the best team. But that's not how one-off elimination tournaments work. And um, it's France and Argentina in the final. 
for me, Kartik, uh, I have enjoyed this World Cup. I've, I've watched um, every game. I've, I've uh, you know, been working throughout the entire month, of course, for World Soccer Talk, writing about it, editing, etc. But I'm going to be glad when this tournament's over, just because you mean know, it, it has disrupted the season, uh, and there's been so much controversy, so much negativity. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is one of those things that. I mean, it feel it feels wrong. It feels wrong in many ways. However, the the players and the coaches and the teams have risen to the occasion and have played really well. It's been a good tournament to watch overall. Um, there were a few games in the group stages. There were kind of the nil nil kind of games that weren't that exciting, but overall, it's been a good tournament to watch. Um, but I am glad it's almost over. Just just so we can move on 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 and back to the club season. Yeah, I'll, I'll make one other point is that, and this is uh, unfortunate, uh, because it's a Winter World Cup for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, daylight hours are constricted. And I will admit that I'm today going to start catching up on a lot of yard work and errands that I, because by the time the games end and you decompress from the games, or if they go into extra time in the knockout stages, uh, the sun's going down, right? So uh, my yard is a mess. There's all sorts of things that I, I think we put off during this World Cup. And I realized uh, a couple days ago, oh, it's because it's a Winter World Cup. If it had been a Summer World Cup, I still usual time for the World Cup. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, you have a couple hours to do things. And I'm surprised the Homeowners Association hasn't flagged my yard yet, honestly, and like said, hey, uh, what's going on? Why are the weeds so long? Why is the lawn so long? Why why haven't you trimmed your branches? That sort of thing, because this is the this is honestly the most negligent I've ever been with it. Yeah, and I think we have to mention too the United States, Kartik, uh men's national team uh, losing to against Netherlands, of course, but all of the controversy post that uh, in terms of uh, Greg Berhalter in a conference talking about a player, a player that was disruptive to the group of twenty six, and trying to decide what to do, and kind of talking through that that uh, that whole process at, at a leadership conference. Uh, and then the information is leaked publicly. It was meant to be kind of be behind closed doors. It was it was uh, published uh, publicly, and then from then on, you mean it's been just uh, hellfire in terms of, um, and then Gio Reyna responding, his agent responding, uh, criticizing Berhalter indirectly. Really, kind of if you read between the lines, he's definitely criticizing Berhalter for, you mean kind of talking about this. I, I mean, my take on this Kartik is that. Berhalter did, did decently well with this U.S. men's national team, but I got outcoached against, of course, a world-class manager, Louis van Gaal. Um, however, the Gio Reyna incident, to me, in that in that first half of that Netherlands game, after about minute 20 or so, when, when the U.S. were losing, was it 2-0 by that point, or 1-0, they were getting completely dominated in midfield. However, then then they did get possession, but they couldn't do anything with the possession. And I was, I think I tweeted it. I said like, we need to have Giorena on the field so he can unlock this Dutch um, this Dutch midfield and Dutch defense because what that's what we're lacking is that creativity because we were basically passing the ball sideways backwards, but none of those penetrating through balls or none of those kind of really creative uh, passes that would rip apart that that Dutch midfield and defense. Um, so, so to me, I, I, I'm on the the camp of like, hey, uh, Greg Berhalter's contract is up. Um, let's look at all the possibilities of some other coaches out there that that could be hired. 
because I, I don't have a lot of confidence in this coach um, if he's going to lead us through to the, to the next World Cup. What, what, what's your take on this, Kartik? Uh, I disagree strongly on the Gio Reyna thing. I, look, if a player is not giving effort in training, this is not that you you have to spend a month with these guys. Okay, so if a guy is 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 is, is sulking, not giving effort in training, that ultimately infects the rest of the group. You have to go to team meals with this guy. You have to stay in the same lodging as this guy. You have to ride on the team bus with this guy. I, I think too many fans don't understand these dynamics, and I'm really kind of horrified by the reaction, which is, oh well, Burhalter's at fault. Now, I do think Burhalter didn't handle the situation great. I think you either send the guy home or you forget it, right, at that point. And I I personally would have done what Garrett Southgate did with Ben White. Send him home. Uh, we know Deschamps has had an issue with um, Benjamin Pavard in this, uh, who's, of course, a World Cup winner from the last World Cup in this tournament. So you send the guy home. Instead, Burhalter handled it kind of like you talk about a leadership seminar he spoke at. He didn't show exhibit great leadership here. He then tried to form some sort of consensus, threatened to send the player home, but then had the player apologize. So at that point, it's over, right? Um, and you move on. Maybe there were tactical reasons for not playing uh, Reyna. It's tough. I, I even see this with Manchester City and Liverpool. It's tough to fit a playmaker uh, into a 4-3-3. So maybe that required a rethink in terms of formation. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm actually kind of horrified by the number of U.S. men's soccer team fans uh, uh, who have a uh, a, a um, just an aversion to anything Burhalter does. And I don't like the way he was hired. I personally, I'm with you. I think that the U.S. should look around for another another manager, uh, uh, preferably an American manager, in my opinion. But, you know, if there's a standout foreign manager that understands the, the American game, that, that would be good also. Um, but I don't like the fact that so many fans of the national team have reflexively taken the the side of a player who in a normal circumstance in, in a normal camp you you, you, you would send that per guy home you cannot have that in a you can't have that at the club level but especially at a national team level when you're away from home you're away from your families you're with the same guys for four weeks and I can't stress that enough I think a lot of the fans that have caused an uproar and even some of uh, uh, the journalists who have although I think there's been a different take from journalists and from most of the former players. And I, I, I liked, uh, I liked Alexi Lawless's take on his state of the union podcast. Uh, I, I, and I liked Steve Nichols take on ESPN FTC. His take was essentially my take as, as a former coach. You can't have this in the camp. Now, whether Burhalter handled it properly or not, we can discuss, but the number of people who were reflexively saying, Oh, well, uh, Rena acted out because it's Burhalter's fault. And Oh, well, it's no big deal. What Rena did, you know, you just forget that. I, I, I don't, I don't see it that way at all. And that's not the way most coaches would operate. Honestly, uh, if a player uh, comes in with a bad attitude, a player is spending several days dogging it in training for lack of a better term, then you have a problem that could infect the entire squad. And in spite of this, the United States made the knockout stages, which is about their level. So, um, I, I'm not dissatisfied with Burhalter, but yeah, I, I would look around and look for a replacement. And obviously, um, there also may be a situation where Burhalter has taken a young group, he's grown the young group, uh, but you now need to move on to someone maybe more pragmatic because he's uh, very wed to his own style of play, which I think is more a club thing than a national team thing. In a national team, you have to be more pragmatic. 
Yeah, Gio Reyna does not have a history of bad attitude, I mean, or, or sulking, or not training at the highest level. So, so my question is: is why was he sulking? Why was he uh, having a bad matter. attitude? That shouldn't matter. It should. He, it should. No, it shouldn't because, matter. Kartik, let me finish. Manager, let me finish. Have, okay, go ahead. So, but we know that Gio Reyna was told that he wasn't going to get much playing time. So, so if you're a player and you know how good you are, and you and I know how good Gio Reyna is, right? I mean, look, look, look at look at Dortmund, look at all these kind of top level coaches. They see the creativity in this player, and if he's told he's in camp, he's like, "Hey, you're probably not going to get much playing time in this World Cup." What, do you, what what's your reaction going to be? I mean, you it's, it's just natural. Apply yourself because you have other guys. Okay, so he's the most talented guy in this squad, bar none. I don't dispute that. He's the best U.S. player. But the coaches made a decision. How does that impact someone like DeAndre Yedlin or Shaq Moore or Christian Roldan or Luca De La Torre who are on the fringes of this squad if they see the biggest star sulking and not applying themselves? And they're going to think, oh, I'm not going to play anyway either, so I'm not going to apply myself. And then suddenly you only have 10 guys training hard? Come on. I mean, you have to, and you never know what can happen. Berhalter made his decision for tactical reasons on Reina, I suppose. Whether you and I agree with that, I think we probably both disagree with that. Well, but, but you can't have a player behave like this in a camp. It's just as simple as that. I don't care if he doesn't have a history of it. He did it this time. But but why pick him for the squad then if you're not going to use him, right? I mean, if you're going to have that attitude. So, no, I mean, to me, it's a poor man, man management from Berhalter. Right, he didn't deal with the situation. You either kick him out of, of the squad, or you leave him in, or, or try to try to work with him. But if he was going to be, I mean, yeah, I agree it, with that. It, it has it has ripped a, ripped apart the squad, and it, it probably might end up him losing his job based on 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 this one incident. You mean which shows poor leadership skills? You, you, yeah. I agree with that, although I think maybe him even saying it at the leadership conference. Look, I, I organized a conference like the one Berhalter spoke at, and we say things are off the record. Like, we tell everybody, hey, this is a private conversation, Chris, but then you have to expect it to leak out. Maybe, honestly, Berhalter is done with the national team and has said it, and this gives you know everybody a pretense well, to move on. Well, that, and the reality is, though, Kartik... I, th- I think I'm sure probably you know too. Is probably it's unlikely that the U.S. Soccer Federation is going to to change. They'll probably uh, sign him up for another couple of years and then move on. I mean, they've got so many other headaches to deal with. Uh, I I don't have a lot of confidence in the U.S. Soccer Federation that they'll make the right decision here. And it's probably easy. Let's not rock the boat. Let's just keep things as they are. I mean, because because in many ways, uh, the Berhalter signing, oh, you mean oh, renewal. Uh, is a reflection of Ernie Stewart. Is a reflection of the the whole hierarchy within U.S. soccer. So I would not be surprised at all if they just quietly go ahead and renew the contract uh, over the holidays and then move on. Because when you think about it, too, the U.S. has a couple of friendlies coming up. They play Serbia, I think, in January, uh, and I think they have got another friendly in January too. So they got two friendlies coming up pretty soon. Um, so I, I don't I don't foresee a change. I think there should be a change. Uh, at least look at some of these other candidates out there. Um, but, yeah, you and I, Kartik, I think in terms of U.S. Soccer Federation and the lack of leadership, I think, I think you mean, we've me seen that for many years. Let me something there, too, because the U.S. has never done uh, coaching searches quickly. So in 2006, Sunil Gulati fired Bruce Arena and embarked on this long coaching search, which yielded nothing, and he ended up having to 
quickly hire Bob Bradley as an interim manager before that, because they had the same thing. They had a January camp this year. I think that year we were playing Denmark, um, Denmark B team, obviously, because it was January. So that you, you're right. The clock could run out if they're not doing something right now over the holidays. Uh, just to finish up on this, I agree with you. I, I, I think once, and I said it earlier, once Burhalter didn't handle it properly, the, the proper way to handle it is to send Reina home. Period. Uh, when you don't handle it that way, and then you start trying to talk to senior players and and other coaching staff members, and then uh, talk, you know, consult the group, and then have him uh, apologize to the group, uh, I, I think you've lost. The, you kind of lost it at that point. So if he is a strong leader, if he's decisive, and this guy's acting out, you send him home. But. I, I completely reject the narrative that Giorena's never had these problems before. We don't know that for a fact, in spite of Dortmund's statement. And secondly, it doesn't matter. He came to the national team camp with some sort of enti- a sense of entitlement, and he acted out. And in a short tournament, when you're with the same guys, I, I reiterate this, uh, and taking the team bus and eating team meals with the same guys, you can't have that. But I agree with you. Berhalter didn't handle it well. You send him home or you kind of forget it. That's that's it, right? It's one or the other, and he didn't do either. So let's move on to uh, another uh, related to the uh, to the World Cup in many ways, but also to U.S. soccer, um, and that is the this the sudden sh- shocking death of, of Grant Wall last week. This one was something that I think I, I saw on I think Friday nights, late at night on on uh, on Twitter or someplace, and I thought like, this must be a joke. This must be a, a a meme or something like a cruel joke, and then within. 10 or 20 minutes found out that it actually was was real um when grant wall reported on fox's self-imposed censorship a couple of years a couple of months ago to not report on any any of the off-field controversies at the world cup who could have imagined that he himself would become a major off the field story at the at this world cup and not only that but also his former employee or a former uh, employer, Fox Sports would be forced to decide whether to dis- to discuss the news at all, since so much of Grant's recent reporting has focused on the human rights abuses um, and issues in Qatar. Fox's talents, such as Rob Stone, uh, Alexi Lalas, Landon Donovan, and Clint Dempsey, must have felt really conflicted um, after this news. Um, of course, um, Rob Stone led the broadcast on Saturday morning on Fox uh, Sports, uh, for roughly uh, 30 seconds with the news of Grant's shocking death and was quite choked up about it, as we all were. Kartik, you've spoken uh, this week um, on the record in uh, a series of television interviews and uh, in your article uh, this week for World Soccer Talk. What was your take on how Fox Sports handled the news of, of Grant Wall's um, shocking death? Yeah, so first off, I want to make it clear that uh, whatever I say about Fox is not a reflection of Rob Stone or Alexi Lawless or, or the others on that studio team. I, I know they genuinely felt affection for Grant, and I know they were having a hard time on Saturday uh, on air. Uh, I think uh, uh, they handled it as professionally as they could as individuals, and uh, uh, especially for Alexi. He's done so much with Grant Wall through the years. I've been on air so many times with him, obviously – Wall covered him as a player uh, and then as a general manager in, in uh, MLS and then as a commentator. So um, I, I don't, this isn't a reflection of them. But I think Fox's upper management made a decision to downplay and minimize the story. I turned on Fox at 9 a.m. Eastern time before the uh, Morocco 
Portugal match on Saturday morning. And yes, I had set the expectation on Twitter. What are they going to say? How much are they going to talk about this? Fully expecting to be proven wrong. And in fact, what we got was, you know, a very tearful, it, it was tough for Rob Stone to even read what he had to read, but no discussion of Grant, no um, uh, talk about his legacy, no talk about his impact on American soccer, no talk about his previous work at Fox Sports. And uh, this was the the case throughout the day. Now, if you flip the channel to Telemundo, I I taped a a segment myself uh, from my iPhone (laughs) of the the TV, Telemundo doing a a tribute to to Grant, and then a, a, a Telemundo uh, Deportes uh, PR p- tweeted out an even longer tribute, right? I guess I had only caught part of the segment, or maybe it was another segment during another uh, pregame show. And uh, there were tributes on the BBC. There were They mentioned it on ITV. TSN in Canada did a longer bit than Fox did uh, about Grant and had a, a frank discussion about his impact. So it, it's stunning. And again, uh, just to reiterate this to the listeners, this is not a reflection of Alexi Lawless and Rob Stone and the other Fox talent, Stu Holden, etc., who I know would have wanted to do more on this and were having a very hard time even being – and I, I – I, commend them for their professionalism on Saturday, getting through the day the way they did with a, with a fallen friend, uh, a, a friend having passed away like that. But the executives, the upper br- the brass at Fox Sports, they have a lot to be ashamed of. And then the, the news continued, Kartek. So, so he died on Friday. The, the, basically, Fox mentioned whether it was 30 seconds or a minute by Rob Stone, which was a really, uh, I, th- I thought it was a really well done I mean, it was short, very, very short, right? But you could tell that it was, it was definitely sincere. Uh, and then the news continued because, I mean, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday. There have been news, news on uh, NBC Nightly News, uh, CBS uh, Morning, Good Morning America, uh, you name it. Pr- pretty much every major People magazine, Time magazine, Sports Illustrated, of, of course, ESPN. Pretty much every major media publication uh, in the Western world, really, has covered this story extensively. And Kartik, I have to wonder, you mean, if this World Cup was hosted, for example, in a different country, maybe it was hosted in France, as one example, and if Grant, unfortunately, had, had died in similar circumstances on, on a Friday night, and then Saturday morning, you mean, we kind of wake up to the news and, and, and talk about it. How much different Fox would have treated that death because it was in a different country, not in Qatar? And, and I really think that they would have probably spent a good 30 minutes on it, um, you know, at least. Or they would have kind of talked about it for about 30 minutes and then maybe mention it again a few hours later and, and do a special segment or you know, kind of our memories of, of Grant Wall. And, and to me, it really is a poor reflection uh, on Fox. And, and, and it is... It's unfortunate too, because because Grant covered this story extensively. But both Grant and I were, were the ones uh, who were very very vocal, both in in written word and spoken word, in criticizing Fox before the the uh, the World Cup coverage even began, criticizing Fox for the decision to go ahead and not cover any off the field controversies. They said that they would cover the stuff on the on the field and and stick with that, and they have. And this death was completely unexpected. I mean, nobody could have expected this. A former Fox Sports reporter and writer uh, for the organization that worked for Fox for many, many years, 
um, probably on television-wise, that's that's the brand that he's most um, kind of affiliated with. When people say Grant Wall on television, they probably think of Fox. And for Fox to give this topic, this story, so little coverage, and like you said, Kartik, this must have been really eating up Alexi Lalas, Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey, Rob Stone, uh, Moedou, all of them. All of them would have known Grant on a re- really personal level in addition to the professional level. So if, I mean, of course, you and I have criticized Fox for many, many years. And, and when they've done good things, we, we've, we've mentioned the good things that they've, they've done, whether it's Fox Soccer Match Pass or many of the other things they've done well. However, this is a perfect example, an unfort- a really unfortunate example of a former Fox employee you mean dying tragically, the whole world covering it. And Fox Sports, for the most part, other than that that minute, completely ignoring it. Yeah, yeah, it was shocking because another thing I should mention from Saturday and Sunday is every time I flipped from Fox uh, to Telemundo, uh, a couple times they were talking about Grant and I told you, like, I got the, my phone out and taped one of them. Uh, if I switched to CNN just to catch up on the news, the news on CNN was Grant Wall. Four separate times over the weekend, I flipped from Fox covering the games to CNN. And each of the four times uh, they were talking about Grant Wall, one time they had Chris Whittingham who, uh, of course, is a friend of our podcast, but a close friend of Grant's, uh, someone we know well, uh, on. Another time they had um, they had Sam uh, Steckall on uh, talking about Grant. So I was really stunned by um, the fact that the mainstream news found this such a big story, which which warms my heart because I love Grant and uh, have obviously, as you mentioned, spoken eloquently this week, or I hope it was eloquently from my point, but spoken it about it. Thank you. From Grant's eloquence, about Grant's eloquence in promoting soccer as a missionary. But I don't find any rationalization for Fox's behavior. And I think it's not just Qatar. I think it's got to be FIFA, too, in spite of the fact that uh, Gianni Infantino made a statement and in in spite of the fact that they ran uh, uh, a thing on the uh, uh, Jumbotron at halftime of the England-France game. And I also want to mention in Rob Stone's kind of him holding back the tear statement, it was obviously edited because he read only a portion of the statement U.S. soccer gave. And what he read from the U.S. soccer statement was the most non-controversial parts. The parts where U.S. soccer got into his reporting and the hard-hitting nature of his reporting was omitted from Fox. And again, I don't, that's not a Rob Stone decision. That's an upstairs decision. So even in that one minute, they kind of botched it. And then they made sure they got Infantino's statement in there when there were a multitude of statements from uh, personalities, Don Garber, uh, uh, USL, individual MLS teams, individual people involved in the sport in the United States that they could have read in Instead of Gianni Infantino, who, quite frankly, I didn't want to hear from uh, after Grant passed. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's not just Qatar, uh, Chris. It's FIFA. So that might – you mentioned if this World Cup was in France, they would have dedicated more time to it. Yes, they would have, but they also still probably would have had some self-censorship because of the the FIFA relationship. Yeah, I've I've lost – it's it's hard to believe, but I've lost a lot lot of faith in Fox Sports, and, th- and this is even before this incident happened. Um, I mean, I watched the first week every single hour, twelve hours a day of World Cup coverage on Fox, and then after that, I don't think I've watched any more in in the the subsequent three three weeks of the tournament. 
been watching Telemundo and then listening to a lot of BBC Radio 5. So I've lost complete faith in Fox. I gave them an opportunity, an open mind to be going into this tournament thinking, okay, maybe they were going to be different or or try to be better. Um, And then this was kind of the last straw. This, the Grant Wall thing was, which I didn't watch, but I saw, actually I did see, Actually, no. I think no. I did see it on television. I saw. Kind of, I wanted. To, I tuned in like you did, Kartik, to see kind of that opening, what they would say. But other than that, um, I've checked out completely, which we'll get to in a little bit because they've picked up the rights to Major League Soccer, which is another concern for me in terms of where Fox is heading. But a couple more things on this too, Kartik, is you you mentioned the the media covering this news, CNN covering it, et cetera, et cetera. MSNBC was was covering it. I think every hour, Fox News covered it. Fox News <laughs> covered it, but Fox Sports didn't. Right? Which is which is you mean? So I mean, obviously, it comes down to the ties that Fox Sports have with their multi million dollar sponsor, their lead sponsor, Qatar Airways, which is owned by the Qatar government, and also then FIFA in terms of just trying to be in the good graces of FIFA, trying to make sure everything's kosher and everything's gonna be fine uh leading up to the 2026 world cup and really putting profit and greed ahead of humanity it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And... To me, I, this is the last straw. This is this, this was it. I have zero faith in Fox moving forward. Previously, I would have had some some faith. The other thing about this Kartik is um, this death has had a huge, profound impact um, across soccer fans, journalism, media, um, and beyond. And I can't think of a a soccer play a soccer player. When was the last time a soccer player passed away and had this much publicity in terms of, I mean, people giving tributes, give people talking about somebody? Um, to me, this goes goes beyond that. I mean, like if I had to think of kind of one of the most famous soccer players in the United States who died in the last I don't know ten years or so, 
maybe um, Giorgio Chinaglia from the New York Cosmos. I mean, kind of a kind of a really. I can't think of anyone who passed away that has had this much press or publicity or tributes or, or kind of uh, focus. What about you? Yeah, I can't either. And even uh, the Maradona thing when he passed away, uh, it was I, I, they talked about it f- for a day on the BBC News uh, and uh, the, the the global news, and then kind of moved on. So the the Grant Wall thing is 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 fascinating because I think it also reinforces to us how much of an impact journalists and writers and commentators have. Uh, in the broader scope of things in terms of this sport. And and uh, uh, Grant was unique. He was kind of on a pedestal in terms of the game in this country. But yeah, it speaks loudly to the impact that, um, that commentary and journalism at TV and print media have and, and the internet have on, on how we consume this sport and they and the importance of those uh, mediums in this sport and I think it kind of reinforces Chris in a way uh, in you know in, in if you want to look at it this way in, in what you and I do and what other people who are in our field do because uh, it, it's been uh, it's been awful it's been a terrible six days for for me personally. Uh, because of uh, Grant's passing, but it's also been gratifying seeing the amount of people who f- feel like they were impacted by him and impacted by his work and the importance of his work. And sometimes people try and throw you in, uh, on the side and say, ah, you're just writing about soccer. It's just a game, right? Uh, but you see in the way Grant's passing and Grant himself was received, how important it is to millions and millions and millions of people and how uh, how important it is even within the greater community of journalists who cover any uh, anything, whether it's entertainment or politics or or business uh, or, or or travel, how important Grant Wall was in that bigger uh, bigger uh, uh, community, uh, and it, I think it's very gratifying, uh, in spite of the fact that we're so unhappy and so uh, in, in such sorrow about his death. Okay, so let's move on to TV streaming news. And uh, like I mentioned too, just, just previously too, that uh, about Fox Sports. Fox Sports have, have uh, acquired the rights to Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer finally, finally uh, closed the deal, the television deal. So for the past basically like a year and a half uh, to two years, actually, it was probably two years of discussions and Fox shopped around the the rights to Major League Soccer that ended at the end of uh, 2022 um, to several different broadcasters: uh, ESPN, uh, ES, ESPN, Fox, Univision, of course. Um, Fox gave them the opportunity to renew the deals or talk about renewing the deals. It was also shopped to a lot of other places too: uh, Bleacher Report, DAZN, uh, Turner Sports. Um, HBO Max, you go down the list, there's a long, long list of, of companies that would have had discussions with Major League Soccer. Uh, and here we are. So it, we're at the tail end of uh, 2022, going into 2023. MLS season starts in 2023. We know that uh, in February, uh, we know that uh, Apple TV has the streaming rights, exclusive streaming rights for the next 10 years. And by closing that deal that, the way that they did in June, I think at that point they were like saying, okay, hey, enough's enough. We can't wait any longer. We are closing the deal. We're moving forward with a streaming deal. And whatever happens to the TV side, whatever happens after that, then then guys come on in with your offers. And what happened was basically six months later, 
a deal is finally done. ESPN is not interested. ESPN walked walked away and uh, decided not to go ahead and uh, go for MLS rights. So for the first time in the history of Major League Soccer since 1996, um, ESPN's not going to be involved on streaming or on television. So Fox Sports have picked up the television rights and the TV rights. It w- ends up We have all the details at worldsoccertalk.com that goes into the, the nitty-gritty. But Fox Sports uh, will have, on average, about a game a weekend uh, on television. And that's it. So if you, for 2023, if you, if you want to watch Major League Soccer, uh, everything's on, on Apple uh, through their MLS Season Pass uh, subscription. Uh, some of those games, or actually probably a lot of those games, will, will be available for free in the first year. But uh, if you, you, you want to watch it on television, uh, the games will be one a week. And it's either going to be FS1 or Fox, and and that's it. On the on the other side, um, Univision, so Televisa, Univision, uh, Tudo Ene, uh, passed on Major League Soccer on the rights to Major League Soccer, and instead uh, picked up the rights to the League's Cup. So they have a select package, not every single game, but they have a select package of League's Cup which includes the League's Cup final, which will be played on Univision. So Kartik, and then Fox will also show some of the League's Cup, but um, but Fox uh, will have uh, the one-a-week MLS game and then a small number of the League's Cups games, which which actually the League's Cup games also they can show on Fox Deporters. Um, actually, no, no, no. I think on, on, the, on the MLS side, they can also show those on Fox Deporters, but League's Cup is uh, with Univision. So, Kartik, there's a lot to take in there. I mean, but kind of on a higher level, what do you think this means for Major League Soccer? And what do you think this says about their previous partnership with Soccer United Marketing and and, and U.S. Soccer, where the rights of U.S. Soccer were combined with Major League Soccer? And then U.S. Soccer decided over a year ago uh, to cut that off and each go on their own. What, where are we now with Major League Soccer? Yeah, I think uh, this speaks to losing the U.S., the bundle with the with the U.S. men's and women's national teams uh, and that going to Warner Discovery, uh, Turner Sports, and, and HBO Max uh, or you know, whatever streaming service replaces HBO Max uh, in, the, in the future. But that being split off, I think has had a negative impact on MLS's ability to shop their rights. Now they got an Apple to bite, which I think is a great deal for the league. Uh, Apple probably overpaid for it. Let's be honest. So that that's great. That's that's good for for the league. But then um, the inability to get anyone, uh, any linear broadcaster to to jump. Uh, has got to be seen as as a bit of a failure. Now, finally, they get Fox secured, and that allows Fox to continue their buildup of of, of U.S. related storylines into next year's next summer's Gold Cup, uh, the Euros in twenty twenty four. Presumably, if they have a Copa, if they have the Copa America rights in twenty twenty four, which I think they'll they'll certainly be the front runner for, and then um, uh, uh, World Cup twenty twenty six. But the bigger story here is ESPN and Disney pulling away. This comes after um, Bob Iger takes Disney back over. I, I had reported several times on this podcast, and I think in, in writing on World Soccer Talk, that my uh, my conversations with shareholders at Disney uh, 
there was dissatisfaction with MLS because MLS, when the new deal was signed in 2015, the, the, the deal that expired uh, or expires this month, actually, but you know, in theory expired a couple months ago because the season had to end earlier because of uh, the World Cup. Uh, when that... Um, when when that deal was uh, was made with uh, Univision, Fox, and ESPN, there was an expectation set by Major League Soccer, Chris. And I, I have to keep reinforcing this because there have been people who misunderstand what you say and I say and what our site says uh, about uh, the ESPN relationship with MLS. There were numbers promised. There were uh, metrics that were supposed to be hit by the end of 2022, right, by the end of the deal, that were not anywhere near being hit. Uh, so you can say, oh, well, the Premier League ratings are stagnant also, and oh, MLS is getting more viewers than it used to, and, 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 and cherry-pick stats. Uh, but it is it is relative to the expectations that were set. So Disney shareholders, many of them did not want to continue with Major League Soccer unless the rights were effectively given to them uh, for, for a song. And then in addition to that, you have the streaming components stripped out by the Apple TV deal, and that's really important to ESPN Plus uh, and to the um, to the brand that Bob Chapak, the former uh, uh, CEO, was building uh, via the streaming platform. I think uh, Chapak, you could also argue, uh, uh, maybe overpaid for La Liga, so uh, that factors into the desire on whether you keep um, Major League Soccer or not. And then I think Iger's come in, and it's been a pretty easy decision. Okay. We, we were with you for 27 years. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw some good times, no doubt. We saw the 96 MLS Cup Final uh, have great ratings uh, on ABC. The 98 MLS Cup Final. We saw Freddie Adu's debut game in 2004, which was on ESPN. Or I think it was, was, or maybe it was on ABC. But have uh, a million and a half viewers, uh, which is still, you know, a great number for a club soccer match. Even with the Premier League on NBC over the air every week, uh, they don't hit that number all the time. And uh, some other high points. MLS Cup, which Atlanta United uh, was in, uh, was a great, great number for, for ESPN. But um, that's the um, that's the thing. It's been inconsistent and they have not hit the target uh, consistently enough. The week on week number, Chris, is not as high. I, I can absolutely with certainty report this is not as high uh, uh, or anywhere near as high as ESPN had hoped it would be at this point. And at, at as high as MLS had thought it would be at this point, or at least had communicated to ESPN in 2015. The the funny thing about this, Kartik, is that if you talk to a lot of MLS fans um, in regards to the, the, the TV deals, uh, they have so much criticism for ESPN. They're like, ah, ESPN never promotes Major League Soccer. ESPN never shows MLS on SportsCenter. ESPN never talks about MLS on, on ESPN FC so on and so forth and and i think it's how soon well i, I guess they're, they're spinning it right because they know that espn's walked away espn wasn't interested um and i don't blame them i don't blame them a, a, at all i i think it's a good move uh for espn that there's no incentive for them to continue with major league soccer uh especially when when apple has all the streaming rights and espn plus is such a pivotal part of the espn portfolio so I, I think it's it's funny that fans are quick to criticize ESPN. ESPN's done a fantastic job of covering MLS. Out of all the leagues in the United States, they're available to us in the United States on U.S. television and U.S. streaming. The league that has been promoted the most by any broadcaster is Major League Soccer. You can watch World Cup games, even World Cup 2022 with Fox. 
and they're talking about MLS, MLS this, MLS players here, MLS players there. ESPN, even during games or FA Cup games or, or League Cup games or or even back in the day was when they had Premier League games, they'd be like, hey, coming up later today, we've got uh, MLS game, this, this, and this. This league has been promoted uh, crazily across all different broadcasters. And the proof is in the pudding in terms of the, the viewing numbers. Those viewing numbers are reality. That's how many people are interested. That's how many people uh, show up and, and watch these games. And I think ESPN, out of every, everything that ESPN has done, to me, the shining moments that should show Major League Soccer and Major MLS fans uh, is MLS is back. That tournament, that tournament during the pandemic would have never happened without ESPN. And it was a, it, to me, it was a huge success. It was a turning point for MLS in, in many ways. This was an amazing competition that they this was very adventurous this is very something different than, than we had ever seen we were all kind of craving wanting to watch live soccer um games again we, we had been so long since we'd seen games there'd be sporadic games here or there but mls back um is was a huge success and, and to me in the history of major league soccer in terms of television events that they've pulled off this to me is up there. I mean, this is one of the highlights, and this was all due to ESPN. ES, ESPN set this up; they set it up uh, on their on their premises. I mean, is ESPN's Wide World of Sports in in uh, near Orlando? And to me, uh, that's one of many examples of how ESPN have done wonderful things to try to promote the game and try to promote MLS. Ultimately, the, the fans decide. I mean, ultimately, if the fans are not show, watching the games and, and the viewing numbers are nowhere near what MLS promised, then you look at it and think, okay, well, maybe this is a loss. I mean, if we move forward, um, I mean, what are we going to get in return? And that's the other thing, too, about the Fox deal. Is, uh, last summer, I think it was, the reports were that Fox had offered $7 million a season to, for the TV rights, and that was back in the summer. So with ESPN walking away, Univision walking away, you have to wonder in terms of how much Fox paid for the rights to Major League Soccer. Maybe they got them for nothing. That That's quite possible. If, if not nothing, uh, it's probably less than the $7 million uh, that they offered uh, reportedly last summer. Yeah, and, and again... I, I think, Chris, just, just to wrap up here, you have MLS, uh, and, and we have to give them credit. The Apple deal is a great deal for them monetarily, probably gives them some exposure. But being cut off from the Disney ecosystem, you can't quantify that necessarily in dollars at this point. Uh, you make a great point about the MLS's back tournament. Uh, they're not going to be able to stage something like that. It was a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Maybe we never see the circumstance again. But they're not going to be able to go to Cupertino and 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 kick it around in the uh, in 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 the uh, 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 the the lounge, the employee lounge at Apple, right? I mean, you can't have a tournament like that there, right? You need the power of Disney for some of these things. So um, I, I don't think it's a positive to be cut off from ESPN in any way. And as to the criticisms of uh, MLS. Uh, of ESPN's promotion of MLS. ESPN promoted MLS an awful lot, and we would see promotions in all the avenues you, you mentioned. In addition, you have to remember SportsCenter and ESPN FC are independently editorial. They have an independent editorial policy, right? They're, they're, they're uh, effectively a news division of ESPN. So 
yes, the what, what rights uh, are held by Disney uh, seeps into some of their coverage sometimes, but they still try and maintain an independence about uh, editorial content, and therefore they judge things based on newsworthiness, regardless of whether it's broadcast on ESPN or not. And this is why, in terms of ESPN FC, despite the fact that they've tried to push MLS narratives and, and Bundesliga and La Liga, right? Because obviously now ESPN has the rights to those leagues. They have oftentimes just reverted back to covering the Premier League and the Champions League as their go-tos because that's what the viewers are interested in. And it's just that that simple. So uh, for people who say, well, they don't promote it on SportsCenter or ESPN FC, you have to understand that news divisions are at least, uh, they used to be fully independent. They're now still quasi-independent. And editorial decisions are not always made based on uh, what a programming is showing after your, 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 your broadcast. It's based on other considerations. And that's why... MLS has fallen down the pecking order. Yeah, and, and and don't get me wrong too. I mean, to me, I'm I'm a huge fan of this Apple deal. I think the Apple deal side of it is fantastic. It gives cord cutters access to every single game. It removes blackouts. It removes all the issues with uh, regional sports networks. All the complexity, all the kind of the the things that got in your way of watching MLS games. Uh, now there's no excuse as long as you're going to be able to watch games on streaming it and with apple in terms of the marketing push that they will give this this is a this is a huge win however at the end of the day to me this feels like that mls has lost the tv war but has won the streaming battle and i think uh the streaming in many ways this is very this is very risky this is a risky move. This is something that, yes, you are going to be on television once a week on, on Fox or, or FS1, probably mostly FS1, unless you know, Messi signs or some major player comes in and then now more and more games on Fox. But for the most part, it's not going to be much television coverage at all. It's going to be all streaming. And that's the way things are heading anyway. I mean, so, you I mean, and, and the Bundesliga has shown that, right? The Bundesliga had an all streaming deal with ESPN. And now and again, you'll have you mean a game or two on on television, but this feels to me a lot like that. I think the Bundesliga showed that uh, you don't go invisible if you go streaming; that that is the, the pathway to go. So, in many ways, I, I think this is a very smart decision on, on the streaming side. But I think you're missing out on the TV side in terms of reach and being in front of people's eyes, especially with the Premier League being on there. You mean in, in terms of you know whether it's USA Network or NBC, it's going to be front and center a lot more than what MLS is going to be. Can I take one more news item before we head into the list of mailbag, and that's uh, about uh, you cover the English Football League extensively, probably more than any other expert in the United States. You're on Talk Sports sometimes twice weekly, talking about the Championship, League One, League Two. One of the leagues that maybe doesn't get as much attention, perhaps, is the Vanarama National League, which is the uh, semi-pro, non-league, kind of fifth fifth tier of uh, English football. And there's 
big news that came out last week, and, and you've got some more about it. Yeah, and, and I want to give credit to The Athletic. They had reported that this would happen in September, but then didn't really follow up on it. Uh, but uh, last week, soft launch of a streaming platform for the Vanarama National League. Now, BT Sport holds the rights, the uh, streaming and broadcast rights, and they have relented and uh, are allowing the second half of this season to be streamed. Uh, and we'll have a hard launch uh, during the festive fixtures, Boxing Day. And so this gives you now access to uh, the entire le- uh, league and what, 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 what's being broadcast, uh, which also includes Wrexham FC, uh, a.k.a. America's team, or at least Rob McElhaney wants uh, Wrexham FC to be America's team. So this is a, 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 pr- a pretty big deal. Um, BT Sports has the rights till the end of the 23-24 season. So um, basically, uh, this this has happened, I think, because of Wrexham. I think this has happened because Ryan Reynolds has been critical of the fact that BT Sport wasn't allowing... Uh, Wrexham uh, and the, the National League in general, but Wrexham, who were trying to grow their brand outside of the UK and not just outside of the UK, but even within the UK in terms of BT sport not showing uh, and not giving exposure to this competition, which they've had the rights to since they launched in 2013. Um, so um, this is a this is a great uh, uh, bump for uh, non-league football, for uh, uh, semi-professional football. And uh, hopefully this streaming uh, service will continue beyond when the BT deal expires and uh, the National League will be in a permanent streaming platform for people uh, or be on some sort of permanent streaming platform for people to access uh, all over the world. Yeah, this is great news uh, for fans of uh, lower league football in around the world uh, that follow lower, lower league football. And it's not just Wrexham. There's you mean Notts County. There's a lot of clubs in that division that are uh, really well known. And that's the thing, though, too, about this one is that um, the best way to find out more information about this, we, we have an article on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com that talks about how to stream the uh, Venerama National League games. Uh, and kind of walks you through step by step in regards to um, now it's possible. Before it wasn't possible, now it is. And, and like Kartik mentioned too, the soft launch has, has already happened and the hard launch is, is happening uh, real soon. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, just a couple of items this week from uh, our listeners. Uh, first up is Disco George, who wants to talk about uh, Fox's coverage. Regarding Fox's uh, shoulder coverage, there are so many good podcasts and YouTube channels out there that I haven't been compelled to watch any pre-match or any post-match coverage on Fox uh, unless I miss part of the match and want, want to see the highlights. On the other hand, I'm enjoying Landon Donovan on match calls. He can speak from both a player's and coach's perspective, and I don't feel like he's yelling at me constantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Landon Donovan's been one of the few... Um, bright sparks of, of Fox's uh, commentaries. So whenever I've heard him, uh, I've enjoyed it for the most part. And then uh, Dave has some t- thoughts about uh, something that was brought up, I think, on last podcast about uh, Soccer United Marketing, uh, which is MLS's uh, marketing arm. And uh, Dave says, uh, you mentioned Soccer United Marketing when discussing uh, U.S. Soccer uh, Federation uh, rights. Mexico's equivalent of some is imploding FMF, covered well by Football Americas, giving a domestic league and its and its broadcasters too much influence over the federation trades away long-term sporting merit for short-term profits. 
I am happy USSF uh, chose a different direction. So Kartik, Dave mentions that kind of Mexico's equivalent of some. Well, actually, it is some. <laughs> That's the strange thing about this, right, is that MLS's marketing arm, uh, which is Soccer United Marketing, uh, is is the um, it is is the, uh, the the firm the company that's responsible for uh, Mexico's rights, uh, commercial rights, as well as uh, TV rights, etc., as well as uh, you know, getting Mexico to play so many of the games in the United States. It's so rare that Mexico plays any games at home in Mexico any longer, and um, yeah, so Mexico going down that path. Uh, and then U.S. soccer cutting the ties with Soccer United Marketing, which I, I think is a smart move. And that means that uh, more money will come into their organization. Uh, and I'm sure Soccer United Marketing will continue to promote Mexico pretty heavily. All right, listeners, uh, if you have any feedback uh, for us, any questions uh, about uh, television, streaming, soccer, uh, or related to that, or um, want to talk about anything that we brought up in this podcast, uh, be sure to reach out to us. We'd love to read your comments out on air. There's a few different ways you can get in touch with us. You can go to the worldsoccertalk.com website, uh, click on pod in the navigation bar, and then look for the most recent episode and just leave your comments in there. Uh, you can go to email. You can email us, uh, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com facebook.com slash world soccer talk you can uh, send us a message through there you can tweet us at world soccer talk and also if you want to you can go ahead and leave us a voicemail uh, the voicemail number is 561-247-4625 so lots of different options there for you to get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you and uh, hope that you've been enjoying this world cup so far it, it has been it's been a roller coaster it's been uh some memorable moments for sure some wonderful goals a lot of controversy a lot of negativity uh i think after this world cup's over i'm i'm looking forward to uh i don't know getting going to a spa for a day and just decompressing because it has been and, and and that's the reality of this Kartik too is just that I mean unfortunately in some ways um, a lot of people will move on from this will not think too much about Qatar anymore in terms of all the lack of freedoms the human rights abuses etc um, there has been a focus on on Qatar during this entire tournament and actually even before the tournament of course so they've been under the microscope Um and I think a lot of us have learned a lot of things about what, what's happening in this country. Um, but from a, on a personal level, I'm just looking forward to getting back to the club season. Clubs are back in the League Cup on the English side. League Cup uh, comes back on December 20th. And then uh, there's a bunch of games that week in the League Cup, including Manchester City against Liverpool on the 22nd. And then the 26th is going to be uh, Boxing Day and one of the, my favorite times of the year in terms of watching soccer. And there's a ton of games that week. Um, also, before I forget to Kartik, one more thing, and that's uh, the NBC is taking their entire crew and having their crew uh, in England for the uh, the festive fixtures that week from Boxing Day and then the, the day after that, Tuesday, Wednesday. So they're going to be at Emirates Stadium, a pitch side desk, 
as well as Old Trafford, a pitch side desk, and uh, covering a lot of those games and probably interviewing a lot of people too, I'm sure, post-match interviews, etc. So I am looking forward to that for sure. Um, Copa Italia is coming back. We've got the Bundesliga coming back uh, in January. La Liga comes back in late December. Uh, Serie A, early January. And there's a whole bunch of other leagues coming back too. Turkish League, Mexican League, etc. So there's a lot to look forward to. What about you, Kartik? When, where can people uh, get in touch with you if they want to uh, send you a tweet? And, and by the way, I should mention the championship uh, uh, started again on, on uh, December 10th, and we saw a lot of players who played in the World Cup playing right away. Josh Sargent uh, went 90 minutes against uh, your, your side, right, for Norwich against Swansea, uh, uh, coming off an injury for the U.S. So guys are fit, uh, which is a good thing. At least that early evidence is that they're able to, to maybe turn around after a week and play in league play. So we may not have as the extended absences that we were anticipating. Yeah, you could find me at Twitter at KKFLA737. All right, Kartik, uh, on behalf of everyone, thank you for being on the show. And listeners, thank you for listening to us. Uh, Kartik heading into another weekend of uh, soccer, including the World Cup final, uh, as well as other matches from around the world. What are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.